0: Let's turn our attention to Luke chapter number six. Luke six, verse number one declares On a Sabbath, while he was going through the grain fields, his disciples plucked and ate some heads of grain rubbing them in their hands. But some of the Pharisees said, Why are you doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath? And Jesus answered them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry? He and those who were with him. And he entered into the house of God and took and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat. And also he gave it to those with him. And he said to them, the son of man is lord of the sabbath on another sabbath he entered into the synagogue and was teaching and a man was there whose right hand was withered and the scribes and the Pharisees watched him to see whether he would heal on the sabbath so that he might find so that they might find a reason to accuse him but he knew their thoughts and he said to the man with the withered hand come and stand here and he rose and stood there and jesus said to them i ask you Is it lawful uh, on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to destroy? And after looking around at them all, he said to them, to him, stretch out your hand. And he did so. And his hand was restored. But they were filled with fury and discussed with one another what they might do to Jesus. Uh, Just for a few moments, I want to share from the subject, uh, the Sabbath rest. We want to talk about Sabbath rest this morning. Father, thank you for um, allowing us to be together. Thank you for allowing us to be in your presence. God, I ask that you would help us, God, to see your truth, that you would help us to enter into this text. And I pray, God, that in entering into this text, God, I pray that we would be transformed by your truth. God, I pray in Jesus' name that we would not just get information, God, but we would find divine transformation. God, that by being in your presence by being closer to Jesus, God, I pray that we would not be the same folks that we were when we came in these doors today. God, help us to see what you desire for us to see. God, help us to say what you desire for us to say, God, but help us to walk and live how you desire for us to live. It's in your name I pray and give thanks. Amen. Uh, Many of us uh, walk around all day long with this little device. We walk around with it, uh, we text with it, we call with it, we use it for social media, and we get to a point in the day where this thing needs some rest. We get to the point in the day where this thing needs to lay down and take a nap. We get to the point in the day where this thing is so, is so tired and it is so worn out that it has to lay down and take a nap. It has to be charged up because if it's not charged up, It will not be effective for use the next day. We understand that the cell phone cannot keep going and going and going. We understand that the cell phone has to be restored. We understand that the cell phone has to be connected to its power source because if the cell phone is not connected to its power source, and if the cell phone is not connected uh, to, to that which gives it life, it cannot catch the signal, but it cannot give off a signal in a very similar way that is the picture of Sabbath rest that God has ordained and orchestrated our life in such a way where you and I have got to lay down God has orchestrated our lives in such a way where you and I have got to get to a place where we are willing to rest we've gotten to get, we got to get to a place in our life where we understand that God is in control and that we can rest in God and what he has accomplished on our behalf. As we approach Luke 6, we need to see very clearly that when Jesus addresses the Sabbath, Jesus is not simply focusing on the use of the Sabbath. I'm going to say this again. In the text, the primary focus of the text is not Jesus simply speaking about the use of the Sabbath. In the text, Jesus is specifically speaking about the abuse of the Sabbath. Jesus does not counsel the use of the Sabbath, but Jesus addresses the abuse of the Sabbath. As we begin the sermon, I want you to not—I don't want you to simply think about—are uh, we under the Old Testament, or New Testament? Are we under the old covenant or the new covenant? Uh, does the Sabbath principle apply? I don't want you to think about it from that perspective. I want you to think about it from this perspective. You to slow down and think about it this way Am I taking advantage of God's rest? Am I slowing down my life in such a way where I am reflecting on what God has accomplished? Am I slowing down my life in such a way where I am appreciating what God has created? Am I slowing down my life in such a way where I am honoring the Lord? By taking time to rest in what he has accomplished. When you look at the text, there are three things that I want us to consider. First, we want to consider the details of the Sabbath. Verse 1 says, once again, on a Sabbath while he was going through the grain fields, his disciples plucked and ate some heads of grain. In chapter number five, you remember last week, the Pharisees confronted Jesus and his disciples concerning their unwillingness to fast. But in chapter number six, the Pharisees confront Jesus again concerning their unwillingness to rest. In verse number one, it says the disciples were going through the grain field. This means that they were in a rural agricultural area. Uh, They were were hungry, so they they were willing to get something to eat. In chapter number five, the Pharisees looked down. uh, They looked down on Jesus because he was not willing uh, to follow their set of instructions. But in chapter number six, the disciples are now challenged because the people are saying that you are not following the law of Moses. In chapter number six, we see that they are reminding the disciples and Jesus specifically of the principle of the Sabbath. Uh, The Sabbath is patterned after the creation. God created everything in the world in six days, and on the seventh day, he rested. When God established a covenant with Israel, God commanded his covenant people to take a day of rest. Just so we can have this in context, go with me quickly to Genesis chapter number two. We want to read Genesis two, and we want to also look at Exodus 20 to get the backdrop of the passage. Genesis two, uh, verse two says, and on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all of his work he had done. Verse 3, so God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Exodus 20 verse 11 says, For in six days the Lord made the heaven and the earth, the sea and all that was in them, and rested on the seventh day therefore the Lord blessed the seventh day and he made it holy. The reason given in both Genesis 2 and Exodus 20 concerning why God blessed and hallowed the seventh day the Sabbath day is God says that he rested on that day to celebrate all that he had created. When you think about the passage it's easy for us to ask the question what does it mean for God to rest? Uh, does God get tired like we get tired? Does God need a nap? Like, does God uh, need to take a break? Like, what does it really mean for God to rest? It means, at least, that God was satisfied with His work of creation. God completed creation, and God declares that what He created is good. His rest means that He now stood back, and He is able to celebrate the beauty and the completeness of his creative work. The real basis of God's Sabbath rest is an opportunity to hollow or to celebrate what he has done. When God invites us to appreciate or to benefit from the Sabbath, God is saying he desires for his highest creature, the one created in his image, to stop to commemorate, and to celebrate all that he has done. When God invites us to take a Sabbath, God is saying, I want you to stop focusing on your work, and I want you to focus on my work. God is saying, I want you to stop focusing on what you can accomplish, and God is saying, I want you to focus on what I have already accomplished. God is saying, let one day out of seven days demonstrate that you know that what I have created is good and that you can rest in what I have done. God is saying, I want man and woman to take a day to be blessed by what I've done. God is saying, I want man and woman to take one day, to take one opportunity to focus on all the things that I have accomplished on their behalf. The question that we got to consider is, are we taking time to reflect on what God has accomplished in our life. We're so busy. We're so focused on the next thing. We're so focused on what's coming down the pipe. We're so focused on the next class, the next degree, the next semester, the next next meeting, the next this, the next that. We're so consumed with what's next. A lot of times we don't take time to reflect on where God has us. Avita and I have been talking about this a lot with our kids. We're so uh, concerned about the next thing, you know, Middle school and high school and college. We're thinking about all these other things. And a lot of times we take for granted that God has us in a really, really sweet place today. And we want to take advantage of where God has us. I want to encourage you to rest in what God has accomplished on your behalf. I want to to encourage you to look at what God has done in your life and recognize that what God has done is good. A lot of times, if I'm honest, I'm not willing to rest in what God has done because I'm not satisfied with what God has done. I want more. I want bigger. I want better. I want nicer. I want shinier. I want him to give me something more. And because I'm so concerned about more, I'm not satisfied with what God has done. In the text, the people understood the principle of the Sabbath because to break the Sabbath meant that you could be put to death. It was a real issue if they were not willing to honor the Lord with the day. It was a real issue if they were not willing to take time to reflect on the Lord. And the issue that happens is they were so committed uh, to focusing on the Lord, they were so committed to focusing on God that they added all these extra rules and regulations that made the Sabbath a day, uh, they made the Sabbath day an actual burden. They started saying you can't walk on the Sabbath, you can't cook on the Sabbath, you can't light a fire on the Sabbath. And they added all these extra things to the Sabbath so much so that the Sabbath became a burden in their life. The Sabbath became something that they would would abuse. The Sabbath became something that became a burden rather than a blessing. So, first we see we need to consider the details of the Sabbath, but secondly, we need to consider Jesus' declaration on the Sabbath. Verse 3 says, Jesus answered them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry? He He and those who were with him, he entered. The house of God and took and ate the bread of the the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat and also gave it to those with him. Verse five is the key that we need to focus on. And he said to them, the son of man is the Lord of the Sabbath. In verse five, Jesus makes a statement that I hope we do not miss. This title, son of man, is a is a is a response and it is a declaration that speaks to his deity. He says the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. He's saying that I am the one who rules and reigns over the Sabbath. He's saying that I can tell you what to do on the Sabbath because I am in control of the Sabbath because I'm the one who created all things. The seventh day is his day because he is the one who created the day. Verse 5 is a powerful statement because it is one of the statements in Scripture that speak to Jesus being God. The Son of Man is the Lord, the Lord of the Sabbath. He is not the servant of the Sabbath. He is over the Sabbath. He's not enslaved by the Sabbath. He is here to institute what we should do on the Sabbath. Mark 2, verse 20, uh, Mark chapter number 2, verse 27, adds one further thing to it. Mark 2, 27 says, and he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. The Pharisees had gotten to a place to where they became burdensome to the law. They became servants to the law. The law was supposed to protect them and point them to God, but it, they got to a place in their life where the law was pulling them away from God. It got to a place where it became idolatrous. It got to, got to a place in their life where it got to this place where they were were so consumed with keeping the law that the law became a burdensome thing in their life. I want to pause here and say very quickly, it's easy for us to allow good things to become burdensome in our life. It's easy for us to allow things that God desires to pull us closer to him to pull us away from him. Even church, even Bible study, even small group, all these things have an opportunity to pull us away from God if we allow them to be put in the wrong place. Jesus says very clearly that I am the Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus says I am, in, I am sovereign and I am in full control, which means that I can do what I desire to do on the day because I created the day. So first we see the details of the Sabbath. Secondly we see the declaration on the Sabbath but then thirdly we see the demonstration on the Sabbath. Verse 6 says, "On the Sabbath day he entered the synagogue. He was teaching and a man was there whose right hand was withered. And the scribes and the Pharisees watched him to see whether he would heal on the Sabbath, so that he might find so that they might find a reason to accuse him. But he knew their thoughts and he said to the man with the withered hand, Come and stand here. And he rose and stood there. And Jesus said to them, I ask you, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to to do harm, to save a life or to to destroy it? And after looking around at them, he said to them, Stretch out your hand. And he did so, and his hand was restored. But they were filled with fury and discussed with one another what they might do to Jesus. The afflicted man was on center stage. Jesus said to them, is it good to ignore him or is it good to minister to him? In God's view, a refusal to do good is evil. Good omitted is evil committed. Say it again. Good omitted is evil committed. When you look at the text, I'm going to get away from my notes because it's too late. When you look at the text, (laughs) you see Jesus move the compassion on a person. You see Jesus looking at real needs. And Jesus sees a person who is desperate. Jesus sees a person who is in need of love and compassion and restoration and healing. And Jesus meets his need. The, The passage challenges us. Are we willing to move past what we think is comfortable and convenient to do what is compassionate? Like, I had a sermon ready this morning. I had that thing tied. I was praying over. I had my points together. And the Lord was like, no, you need to spend more time praying this morning than you do on your little sermon that you put together. (laughs) Seriously. And a lot of times, we are so unwilling To set aside our agenda for what God desires to do that we miss opportunities to see God move. We we, We are so concerned about the schedule. We're so concerned about what we have going on. We're so concerned about what we want to do next that a lot of times we miss opportunities for God to use us in a significant way because we are so disconnected from the Lord that we don't hear his voice clearly and we don't show compassion that honors Christ. Chris, you can come on back up because we're going to have communion this morning. When you think about our our sermon this morning, three very simple points of application that I really feel like we need to close with this morning. When we think about the Sabbath, and I'll probably talk a little bit more about it next week because I've kind of jumped around a lot. When you think about the Sabbath and you think about the principle of rest, one of the greatest gifts that God gives us is his completed work. As a believer, we can rest in the completed work on the cross that Jesus died for our sins in our place, that Jesus trades our position. Jesus takes the place of condemnation so that we can have the place of blessing. So when you think about the passage, there are three very, very clear points of application for us this morning. Number one, as believers... We are called to be content in Christ. That means that my greatest need is met in Jesus, not my greatest wants. God has not promised to give me everything that I want, but God has promised to supply every one of my needs. And I would say to you, every need that you have is found in Jesus, not a person not a certain amount of money, not a title, not a profession. Your needs are found in Jesus. And if you are not content in Christ, there is nothing another person can do to make you content. If Christ dying for your sins, if Christ giving you life eternal is not enough, nothing else will ever be enough. So first, we need to be content in Christ. Secondly, as believers... We are called to be committed to Christ. Commitment to Christ says that he is Lord. That means he calls the shots. That means that he gets his way. That means that he gets to make the decisions about how my life go. I want to call the shots. I want to make the decisions. But commitment to Christ says, I am surrendering my will so that his will can be done. lastly, after we consider contentment in Christ and after we consider commitment to Christ, lastly as believers, we are called to be compassionate like Christ. It's always the right time to do what's right. And it's always the right time to do good when we have an opportunity to do good. Now doing good is going to look different for different people. Doing good today means that You should probably call someone to check on them. That's for somebody. Doing good for somebody else is probably you asking for forgiveness of some sins you committed. Being good for somebody else means that you got to have a hard conversation where you challenge somebody with the truth. Being good may mean that you take somebody to lunch today. Being good may mean that you start a Bible study on campus this week. I don't know what being good looks like, but I want to challenge you No matter where you are, that you be compelled, that you be moved into action because of the love of Christ. Like Christ's love does not keep us stagnant. Christ's love causes us to be more devoted to God, but it also causes us to be more devoted to others. And that's my prayer.